you're listening to The Real Strange Log, and I'm your host, Emmanuel Hayford. Uh, this episode is special on so many levels to me. It's special because it was recorded live at the Rails Foundation's first ever conference, which was a massive success. And it's special because I got to meet a lot of people that I interact with online. I got to make new friends. And it's also special because it's the first time I'm recording with my new fancy microphone, the Shaw SM7B. I'm not sure if you can tell the difference in the quality of the recording, but I hope it's good enough. And it's also special because the Rails Change Log was sponsored to be at Rails World by Buzzsprout. So what's Buzzsprout? Well, Buzzsprout is the easiest way to start podcasting. One of the things I like about Buzzsprout is they give you ample time to test the water. So if you're ever considering starting a podcast, which I totally would encourage you to because Buzzsprout makes this easy, you should check Buzzsprout out and they give you your first 90 days for free. They also have a free tier that you can use to learn the ropes and then build your podcast from that. You also get access to features like Magic Mastering. Magic Mastering uses advanced technology to optimize your audio so you sound really professional. And um, I think this feature is one that none, to my knowledge, of the other podcast hosts have. You need to check it out yourself by going to buzzsprout.com, which is um, B-U-Z-Z-S-P-R-O-U-T as one word, dot com. Oh, by the way, I've never mentioned this before, but if you ever thought of support in the Rails Change Log, you can do so now at patreon.com slash SIAW23. I have three tiers. The lowest is a $4 one and the highest one is I think about $16. What the highest tier gives you is you get a shout out when I'm recording one of my episodes. You get a thank you message and then also you get listed on the podcast page as a supporter. Supporting the podcast means that I get to offset some of the costs involved in producing content um, that's producing um, podcasts so it will help a lot with uh, my time and some of the subscription services that I use to produce content for you. I will appreciate it if you will be able to support it. If you can't that's fine you can just keep on listening and now I think I'm probably talking too much so let's get started with the show. Welcome to the Rails Changelog Joe Masilotti. We just finished your talk. I really liked your demo session. It was so perfect. It was a good talk in general. And um, I want to say thank you for having this talk. wanted to also ask you, how has Rails World been so far for you? What has the experience been like on the second day and then on the first day? Yeah. First, thanks so much for having me and and the kind words on the talk. The The live demo was nerve-wracking, but I pushed through and <laughs> I don't think anything blew up. So that was good. Uh, Rails World has been amazing. Like, blown away by the production quality of this, by how amazing Amanda and the rest of the foundation ha- have done on this. Just every time I turn a corner, there's like a new fun thing to look at or something else that's super professional. And being able to like touch shoulders with all the huge names in Rails right now and all these Twitter friends that I have, like to finally meet them in person right. it, it is so is so just like, it creates a lot of emotion, you know? Exactly. And mm-hmm. I've been speaking to people like yourself online for on Twitter for years. And to finally meet them in person is just like, this is why the conferences exist, you know? And Rails Road could have been in someone's backyard with a barbecue and like 
I'd still have that emotion attached to it. Yeah, so for me, the conference has been really very good. I'm amazed and astonished by the level of organization mm -hmm. that the the team has put into making this a realization. It's It's been all positive stuff. I haven't found anything that I don't like. And like you said, writing to people on Twitter or online and then finally getting to meet them in person adds a whole different touch to the relationship that you have with these people. Yeah. Yeah, so today um, I'm very happy to have met you in person. I think I met you uh, two days ago at mm -hmm. Bar Jones. Were you drinking? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> did, you, did you get some alcohol? I didn't. No, I was trying to save my voice. Oh, okay. As, if Smart. You if you can't tell, I'm already starting to lose it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think your voice is still solid. So, <laughs> Thanks. Right. So today we are going to talk a bit about um, Cherbo Native and yeah. mobile development mm -hmm. from what I understand <clears throat> from the talk that you gave. You were doing um, mobile development earlier. For how long were you doing iOS development? Yeah, so I got my kind of technical career started doing uh, like fully native iOS, so native SDKs, API backends um, at Pivotal Labs way back when it was like just a consultancy. So I was building out these iOS apps with Rails API backends, and the Rails API backend was always just like kind of the support for the iOS app, you know? Uh, that was 10 years ago-ish right, right. now. Um, but I also got started with Rails back then, and it wasn't until maybe a few years after that that I started to write like front-end Rails, where I'm actually writing view layers that weren't JSON, you know, like HTML and stuff. And I did this kind of like intentional shift into Rails a few years ago, where I was, or I decided that I don't think I want to be an iOS developer anymore. I think I want to be a Rails developer, and started marketing myself that way and talking more about Rails. And then I found that there's this just this perfect overlap of iOS and, and Rails in Turbo Native, and was like, yes, this is my, like, this is my home. And I've been all in on that just, just ever since. Right. Sounds like an exciting journey to have started from iOS. Did you do Android development earlier? Yeah, I did Android too, but it was never as serious as iOS. I right. picked up Android, like, more throughout the years. Um, but my background was always iOS. When you were having your talk, I was there, I was present, and I was watching it. First of all, let's let's start from the, the beginning, right? What you're doing right now with Turbo Native is essentially building mobile hybrid apps. What's a hybrid app? Yeah. So in the traditional sense, hybrid is rendering web content in a native app. And the way that Turbo Native takes its stance on that is that it gets you render out your mobile web views inside of like a native tab bar or native Chrome that you then launch that app into the app store and Google play. So under the hood, it's just using a web view. It's just rend It's just like a normal web browser essentially, but all of turbo native adds on these native elements that make it feel like a native app, even though everything, all the content is powered by your rails app. So when you say it renders, native elements mm -hmm. in an application. What I'm thinking about is during the demo, you had a bootstrapped button change yeah. from button to an element on the page that looked like a native iOS application would have. Yeah. That small bit, like the edit button that was there on the screen, I would assume that that's a native element and that Turbo iOS is taking your button from your view and then turning it into a native element. Is that what this is all about? That is 100% correct. Uh, just with native elements, it's Strata that's doing that, that's powering that. Right. 
Turbo iOS will is kind of the, the core. It renders the, the web content. And Strata lets you upgrade those web elements that should be native into native elements, right. like that native button in the top right, right for the edit screen. And then, again, around the demo, which was excellent, Thank like you. I said before, I noticed one thing that you are doing a lot of Swift. I'm a Rails developer. Mm -hmm. I only work with Ruby, and that's it. But with the demo, almost everything was, was, was written in Swift. Yeah. How much Swift do Rails developers need to know mm -hmm. to be able to work with Turbo Native and yeah. create hybrid apps? Yeah, so what I skipped in the demo was like the 300 lines of Rails code that's supporting the web app, you know, right. that, that the demo was based off of. And I skipped that because the important part was the Turbo Native integration, mm -hmm. the Swift code yeah. that you saw. To answer yourself the question directly, you do need to know some Swift and Kotlin to do Turbo Native. There's no way around that. Uh, you can hack your way at it for sure, but you will still need to write the core of your wrapper app in Swift or in Kotlin to get an app that's approved. And that's why it's hybrid and not like a capacitor element or a, you know, Sentra touch, whatever the new hybrid on the street, Dart with Flutter. You're only writing the, the native stuff that wrap your web views. Mm -hmm. So the code is limited in surface area, but it does still need to exist. And the thing that I love about Turbo Native is that once you learn like that just enough, that's, that's where the name of my talk came from, just enough Turbo Native right. to be dangerous, right? Once you learn just enough Swift, just enough Kotlin to submit your app to the App Store, you can leave it there for years and never touch it. I, I have a client that has an iOS app in the App Store. Four and a half years, it's been there. Not a single native update. It gets a new feature, though, almost every week by adding new web screens. It's like, it's magic. There's zero maintenance once you're actually in the app store if you don't want to add new native features. And I think that that's where like all this, it's upfront cost. And then once you have that, you can go like, you're good. Right. Yeah. So when you talk about zero maintenance mm -hmm. for four years for this application, I find it very hard to believe because then, then it means that the tools that you work with to create hybrid applications must be that good because every year there's a new version of, um, say, iOS. Yeah. Doesn't this interrupt the development cycle? Yeah, so one of the cool things about iOS is that until you build in Xcode with the new iOS SDK, you still run against the old SDK. So if there's a new feature that's released or a new bug that's released in iOS 17, until you actually build the app for iOS 17, you don't actually hit any of those bugs. So yes, there's exceptions, but for the most part, like when you're rendering web content, when you have a, a shell that is thin, a thin wrapper that doesn't have business logic, you can write your, app, your code in a way that everything lives on the server and the app is just responsible for rendering your screens. And, and that's how that app was built. Okay. And it's, it stood the test of time. The, the crazy news is that Apple has reached out to them and is like, hey, you need to update your app because <laughs> it's almost been five years. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, in, you know, I'll work with them again for two hours, rebuild their app, resubmit it, and they'll be good for another five years. Do you have to rebuild from scratch? No, we'll just uh, command B to rebuild. We'll fix any errors that happen with iOS 17, oh, okay. like you're talking about. And so that'll be a little bit of work, but it's something that I've done a, you know, a bunch of times and I'll be able to do it no problem. And they'll contract me for a few hours and they'll back in business. You made mention of rendering. How does rendering server-side HTML in a native mm -hmm. application work? Yeah, so at a high level, the 
Turbo Native app and the Turbo iOS and Turbo Android frameworks render or use a web view, which is kind of like an embedded browser. And that web view is making a request to your server with a custom user agent and then spitting out the HTML and CSS and JavaScript that your normal web app would provide. It's not fancy. It's pretty bare bones. Um, what Turbo Native does, though, is then wrap that in a way that it intercepts when you click on a page. And instead of just flashing in that new screen, you get that nice animation, right. native animation. So the rendering itself is done by WebView under the hood, iOS and Android WebViews. The the animation between screens and, and the hooks are where Turbo Native comes into play to to progressively enhance or to make it feel native, even right. though, you know, it's not. <laughs> right. The only thing that puts me off is uh, the fact that I now I need to learn Swift, yeah. which isn't something that I was um, <laughs> thinking of doing. The marketing around Turbo Native was like, keep writing Rails, keep writing mm-hmm. Ruby. And now I realize like, I have to learn Swift or maybe I have to learn Kotlin, which yeah. which is not a problem, but at least now I know that there are two elements involved and that you have to do some work in mm-hmm. in, in, in Swift. Yeah. So when you say we render server-side HTML, I can assume that what you did was that with the application that you demoed, you had a Rails application running on local host and then inside the uh, mobile application you had a server link to the mobile application that requests would be hidden am i right <clears throat> yeah yeah so essentially this is how it works so you have a the the server link to the mobile application and then when requests come in the view is rendered on the rails server and then the native application takes over from there absolutely right yeah if um at the beginning of the demo I threw that root URL up at the top right. that was just pointing to localhost 3000, right? If I had opened the terminal logs in the background when I ran the app, you would see the same logs you would see as if you hit the mobile web view. The only difference would be that that user agent would be Turbo Native. Okay. It would know that it's coming from the native app. Yeah, makes sense. And um, when you write in a hybrid application, how much of it is... Okay, let's take the demo app. Mm-hmm. As an example, yeah. What percentage-wise, how much of it was um, Rails and how much of it was Swift or mm-hmm. native element? Yeah, so the demo was, I think, 70 lines of Swift. Half of it was empty spaces and comments. Yeah. So it's probably only like 30, maybe 25 lines of Swift that you need to have your just like bare bones base Turbo Native app. Uh, the Rails code base can be, there's no upper limit, right? As long as you can navigate to it from a from a link click, your web view, your your Rails app could have hundreds or thousands of screens, and it runs on the same Turbo Native, you know, base so to speak. It's when you start to get into native features, that native edit button mm-hmm. that added twenty lines of Swift, twenty lines of or five lines of stimulus, right. um, you know, for for Strata. When you do the native map, that was another like thirty or forty lines of Swift. So, until you start to get native features, you need very little Swift in Kotlin. But as soon as you start adding native features, it's the benefit and the drawback of Turbo Native. You you need to know the Turbo the, the the underlying framework, the Swift, the iOS, the Kotlin, the Android, to build those native features. There's no wrapper around that, like something like a Capacitor or um, Dart, Flutter would would offer you. What's Capacitor? Capacitor is like a way to you you write your web view and then package that and then deploy that to the App Store. So you write still JavaScript okay. to interact with native APIs. The downside, though, is that if Capacitor or React Native lag behind iOS and Android, 
you can't use the latest SDKs until they update their package. With Turbo Native, you're sitting on the metal, so to speak. You can access the full SDKs underlying by writing the normal Swift code you would normally write or the normal Android code. Mm -hmm. um, you want to add a third-party library that only works for iOS and Android? You have full access to that. There doesn't need to be a wrapper for this third other third-party firmware because you're just writing the metal code right there. Right. Compared to a fully native web application development, yep. what's the performance impact of using Turbo Native in a hybrid application? Yeah, the, the performance of a hybrid app is largely dependent on the performance of your Rails server. So if you have a, a slow mobile web experience, you're going to have a slow you know, Turbo Native app. Right, makes sense. If you have a fast and snappy web mobile web experience, your Turbo Native apps are also going to be fast and snappy. Uh, if you can keep your response time you know, reasonable, and you keep your rendering reasonable and you have your caching in place, whatever you, whatever benefits you add to your mobile web, your Turbo Native apps will get for free. If you're talking about fully native apps though, those can have performance benefits because you're just sending less information over the wire. You're only sending JSON versus a full HTML payload. So if the user has a slow connection, a native app might be noticeably faster. But for most of the time, your web view rendering and your HTML rendering will be just as performant, perceived. Right. So I want to talk a bit about caching. The example like applications that you showed during the talk, you had, I, I downloaded and installed Rails Dev and other hybrid applications to test them, just to play with them. Yeah. For some of the apps, when I click to jump to a to another view, mm -hmm. I see this um, this loader like the the, the cycle spinner, that yeah. Yeah, the, so the spinner like takes a bit of my time mm -hmm. until it loads the 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 view that I'm looking for. Yeah, and then I try again, and the spinner shows up again. Is there any way to get rid of it? These things don't make the application feel native at all to me. Mm -hmm. It makes me feel like there is really a web view that yeah. the uh, mobile um, device is trying to render. Mm -hmm. How do you fix problems like these? That's a great question. I think that on Turbo Native, there's no built-in answer for that right now. It's not looked at as a problem. Mm -hmm. You know, like like I, I I totally understand your frustration, and I see it too. But I think that a lot of the folks that end up using these hybrid apps don't care if it's hybrid or native or if there's a spinner or not. Um, that said, if your web app is slow, you're going to see the spinner, right? right? And that spinner has a cutoff. It only shows after 100 milliseconds. So if you can do your full request in 100 milliseconds, you're never going to see the spinner, which is a big ask. I get that. But I am excited about things like Turbo Morph, where you can use all of the existing web stuff. That all works on native, on Turbo Native, right? You can render in some new content that's going to appear on the screen or a Turbo Stream or a Turbo Frame. You have access to all of that because it's just a Rails app under the hood. Right. So if you have slow screens... Maybe that should be cached better. Maybe that should uh, have condition or um, asynchronous loading content and stuff. But I feel your pain. Yeah, right. there, there's ways to tell that it's hybrid for yeah, sure. Yeah. It's not perfect. Yeah, it's. I, I wouldn't expect for it to be perfect, considering that it's basically like killing two beds with one stone. So you're writing Rails application and getting to deploy them onto um, different devices, like on an Android on iOS. So. I expect some imperfections, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, I'm not complaining. I just wanted to know why it happens. Yeah. And uh, talking about imperfections, um, 
are there any drawbacks to using Turbo Native and Strata for mobile application development that people should be aware of? I think the drawbacks are the big risk of like Apple or Google coming down hard on mobile web embedded apps in the future. You know, the App Stores and the Google Play Store have been around for how many years now? These apps have existed for a long time, these web views, but you never know what, what the next release cycle is going to bring. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, there's not a zero chance. Like, there's a small possibility that Apple just decides, like, hey, you can't use a web view anymore or you can't do server-rendered stuff. And there's going to be a huge community that's bigger than Turbo Native, that's bigger than Rails, that's going to have an uproar about that. There's all the capacitor and all of these, like, hybrid frameworks that use these type of technologies in the App Store and Google Play. So if that happens, I'm not worried because we're not, like, it's not just us, you know? We're part of a much larger hybrid community in that place, Mm -hmm. and there is going to be, it's going to be a mess. So I think that, like, the biggest risk is something that I tend to not worry about. Okay, and I'm not sure that, considering that a lot of people depend on the features that already exist in the Apple SDK that... Apple will just wake up one day and just say, hey, we are changing everything. So, yeah. yeah. yeah okay. that's, that's the hope. What tools and resources are available to support developers work with Turbo Native? Yeah, tools. That, <clears throat> that's a great question. Um, Tools-wise, I think that whatever you use to build your Rails app, you know, is, is just make the best Rails app possible and then port it over to iOS and Android. When you actually get to Turbo Native, there aren't many tools out there that can really support development outside of the normal web stack. Like, if you render your web view in the iOS simulator or the Android emulator, you can inspect that through Safari or Chrome, and you can debug it and write JavaScript messages and, and interact with elements. It's, right. it's just a web view, right? Mm-hmm. So the same tools that you already know how to use for Rails development apply to Turbo Native. Resources-wise, <clears throat> I think the best spot are the two repos, uh, Hotwired slash Turbo iOS and Hotwired slash Turbo Android on GitHub. Those provide documentation. They also provide implementation and demo apps, which are really helpful. If you're looking to get started with Strata, there's also the complementary Strata iOS and Strata Android libraries that have really full-packed demo apps. Outside of that, um, I mean, check out my blog, maslati.com. I do a weekly newsletter on Turbo Native and some some you know related Rails stuff. I, I have a ton of articles on it, how to get started. I have a YouTube channel. I'm writing a book. Yeah. Tell me about your book. I think I yeah. saw on Twitter that you were working on something. Yeah. What's the book about? Tell me a bit about it. Yeah. So the book is how to use Turbo Native as a Rails developer. It's going to be structured for Ruby and Rails develop Rails developers, really, who know Ruby, but want to do a Turbo Native iOS or a Turbo Native Android app without any existing experience. So it's going to walk through like how to get started with Swift, how to learn how to use Xcode, how to use Kotlin, how to use Android Studio. And then it's going to layer on those levels of like, here's how to make a visit. You know, my demo that I just showed, here's how to build an app that's totally bare bones. Here's how to layer in uh, navigation. Here's how to layer in authentication. Here's how to work with native APIs, Strata. It's going to cover all of those things that you need to make an amazing iOS and Android app with Turbo Native. And I stopped talking about it a little bit because I took a, a pretty much a month break to prepare for this right. talk. But, uh, you know, starting Monday, I'm back on it. So very excited to, to start that again. And still on the subject of the book that yeah. you're working on, are you working with a publisher to have sort of like uh, printed copies for people? But I, I, I'm talking about printers, printed copies because particularly for me, I'm speaking for myself right now. 
Um, I'm not a fan of ebooks. Yeah. So, are you working with a publisher? Or are you going to self-publish? Uh, TBD. I haven't decided right. if I'm going to self-publish or go through a publisher yet. There's a ton of benefits to both sides, and I, I want to make sure that I have the best content available, and then I'm going to decide if I want to self-publish or go to a publisher. And to do that, I'm going to be doing a lot of beta beta readers, beta mm-hmm. testing on right. the book. So hopefully pretty soon I'm going to start opening up access to the first couple of chapters for in exchange for feedback. Right. And what's your ETA? Oh, boy. <laughs> um, my goal is to have something either in my hands or downloaded to my downloads folder by the end of next year. Okay. That's a very large timeline, I understand. <laughs> but I want to give myself the time to do it right, right and to make sure that it is the best book out there instead of something that I just throw together and copy-paste my blog posts. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I have all of it in my head. I just want to make sure it's easy to understand. Right. And I think I also saw you have lots of resources on the subject. Yeah. And um, I think you have a YouTube channel. What's mm-hmm. what's the name of your YouTube channel? I think it's Joe Mazzalotti. Yeah. And I from there, I saw some of your tutorials on YouTube. And so I'm trying to figure like your YouTube channel, your blog, and then the book are going to be resourceful to people who want to branch off into the hybrid application development. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. My, I mean, as I said in the talk, like I live and breathe this stuff. This is, this is what I work on day in and day out. I'm fully committed to Turbo Native and I want to make sure that other developers can get involved as easily as possible. And there are a few other people that are starting to pick up content but most of the stuff is going to come from me right now. Right. And you're the turbo native guy. I'm the turbo native guy. <laughs> yeah. And, and I want to make sure that as a rails developer, you can get started and in the app stores as quickly and easily as possible. That's my goal. That's my five year plan to do that. It's content on all platforms. It's, right. it's, you know, blurbs on Twitter, my newsletter, um, it's YouTube videos. It's the book. It's maybe a video course in the future. Like all, I want to touch as many different ways as possible. Right. Now, we are slowly going to shift back into Turbo Native because I'm a bit interested in this yeah. subject. So how does Turbo Native handle platform-specific features and integrations such as um, accessing device hardware or using native APIs? Yeah, I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but I look at this part of Turbo Native as its biggest benefit and not its biggest, but one of its biggest benefits and one of its biggest downfalls and difficulties is that to access native APIs, you write native code. Turbo Native doesn't get in the way. There's no like Turbo Native GPS adapter or Turbo Native geofencing or push notification adapter. If you want to deal with the GPS, you write the native code that deals with the GPS. That's difficult for a Rails developer because you have to be kind of fluent in in the Swift or Kotlin to get there. But the good thing is that once you create that kind of connection between your web and your native code, either with Strata or, or URL routing, you can read any iOS or Android tutorial. It's not Turbo Native specific anymore. There's no like extra layer of complexity once you've made the connection. So if you can ask ChatGPT, how do I access the GPS? <laughs> Boom, copy paste that in, you know, like, like that's gonna work. Once you understand the concepts of Turbo Native and how to bridge the gap, you're just writing native code and you have access to everything under the hood. You just gotta write it yourself. So as you know, some Rails developers might say, like a very sharp knife, you know? Mm-hmm. I can imagine your book is going to cover or guide users on how to do all of these stuff. For me, hybrid application development is new territory. Yeah. So some of the stuff you're saying 
even though I understand the bird's eye view of the technological part of it, if it comes that I have to do it practically, yeah. working with, I don't know, uh, Xcode or what do they use for the Android stuff? Android Studio. Yeah, Android Studio. I'm going to have trouble with that. So I can imagine that your book would have a section where you guide users like me yeah. to be able to understand what we are, we are doing, right? Of course, yeah. I, I have it split right now, kind of a sneak preview, um, into kind of three sections, like beginner, intermediate, and advanced. Right. And beginner covers uh, Swift, Xcode, Android, Kotlin, and the demo that I showed today, how to do like the bare minimum turbo native integration. Mm -hmm. You could launch with that if you wanted to. Intermediate is more about making the, the, the web feel more native, those title buttons, the working with Strata a little bit. And then advanced is like, how do we dive into the SDKs? Right. And I can only, I can show one example and it applies to any SDK because it's just, like I said, it's, you write the glue, you know how to, you understand how to write the glue and you just write the code, you know, not just, and then you write the code for the native stuff. So that'll be the big focus of the third section of the book, the more uh, advanced native. So Joe, tell me, we've spoken a lot about Turbo Native and Strata. I've seen your demo. Uh, your talk will be recorded and it will be on Ruby on Rails' official... Actually, people don't know about this, but... Oh, exclusive. Ruby, <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not exclusive. It's, it's public, except that um, the, the Rails Foundation or the Rails community haven't mentioned about this. But Ruby on Rails has an official YouTube channel. Okay. Currently, it's, um, it's empty, mm -hmm. but people can subscribe if they want to. And I think that's where your talk is going to be hosted. This is not official news. Yeah, yeah. So your talk will be out, and I hope that everyone goes to see it where you cover all the some most of the things that we've talked about and you did a very good demo showing us how it works Thank but you. now um i want to ask you what's the future of turbo native and strata in the rapidly evolving landscape of mobile app development and how do they stay up to date with emerging technologies and platforms yeah great question so I talked a little bit about this in my talk, uh, what I'm excited about with Next, with Turbo Native, and Strata was just released, so that is very top of mind right now. That is where I'm focusing my, my next couple of weeks of, of newsletter articles. Uh, that's going to be really exciting to make your native apps, your Turbo Native apps, feel just that much more native. Looking ahead of that, Turbo Android has kind of creeped ahead in features from Turbo iOS, and it requires a little bit more boilerplate to have a really good Turbo iOS app. So I'm working on a package called Turbo Navigator, which handles a bunch of the different kind of boilerplate-y things that you want in every Turbo native app. And that's on GitHub, um, Joe Maslati, Turbo Navigator. Uh, the good news, though, is that that's being upstreamed into Turbo iOS very soon. We're just working on the last, you know, like 10% or whatever. Right. Uh, I'm very excited for that because it, it enables even simpler Turbo native integrations. It's like you don't want to deal with this, this type of stuff. I've dealt with it 13 times. You know, I want to make sure everyone can do it. Uh, it removes like 100 lines of boilerplate or something like that. I think that where Turbo native is lacking though right now is the offline situation. There's no good answer for offline access for Turbo native, but apps like Hey and Basecamp do provide offline support in like a workaroundy, hacky, not officially supported by both platforms way. I think that that's a big barrier to entry for a lot of people, having um, offline access or something that's cached for, for slow internet. I'm looking forward to figuring that out soon, whether right. it's by me or by the you know other maintainer or, or the rest of the team. Like, 
I'm excited to see what our answer is to that. I don't have a good one right now, but I am exploring what possibilities there are. Right. Looking ahead, what's next, and how do we stay up to date with emerging technologies? The really good part is that Turbo iOS sits on top of the native SDKs. So when iOS 17 was released, I don't know, last week or two weeks ago, mm -hmm. your Turbo Native app got access to all of the SDKs available on iOS 17. All of the new SwiftUI packages, the new map stuff, the new notifications. Like Because it sits next to iOS, you just get that stuff for free, as long as you can access it in your Swift code. So there's, there's very little platform risk of like lagging behind iOS or lagging behind Android as new features are released because you can always drop down to native code when you need. And I think that that is what gets me so excited about this being kind of future-proof. The way Turbo Native exists right now will probably work as is for a very long time until something drastic changes in the underlying iOS or Android like view presentation or web views. It's built for longevity, and thats I don't think that's the case with a lot of hybrid frameworks out there. I know you're one of the maintainers of Turbo iOS, are you maintaining any other libraries or packages or gems related to Turbo Native and mobile application development? Yeah, so I'm the creator of the Turbo Navigator package, which I, I just spoke about, uh, which will hopefully just go away eventually <laughs> because it's in Turbo iOS. What my my short term plan is to like get that merged in, and then dive deep into Android. Right. I, I recognize that I'm primarily an iOS developer to the community and that's because it's true like I've done iOS for years and I have only done Android a little bit but I recognize also that I can't only write content for iOS Okay, it kind of defeats the purpose if you're building mm -hmm. a cross platform air quotes app and you can't release on Android so as part of my experimentation and learning with my book is me getting deep into Turbo Android and one of my you know short term goals for that is to become a maintainer of that library as well and be able to help manage those expectations of both as they kind of stay in sync with each other. Right. And actually, the reason I asked this question was because I know there's also Turbo Android, yeah. but I don't know who maintains it. So I was thinking, who if Joe is maintaining Turbo iOS, then who is taking care of Turbo Android? So does it mean that people who want to have apps for um, Android will be left in the dark? Who maintains the... Yeah, so Jay Ohms uh, from 37signals right. maintains both right okay. now. So I've been working a lot with him the past few months on getting Turbo iOS up to speed, and, and he's been helping me with Turbo Navigator. Uh, Turbo Android, I know he maintains. There might be other maintainers. I can't say for sure, mm -hmm. but um, I hope to be one of those very soon. Right. <laughs> cool. Is this your first time in Amsterdam? It's not, no, um, which is giving me a lot of freedom to not explore the city and just focus on <laughs> Rails oh, World. Okay. How long ago was it when you came to Amsterdam the last time? Uh right after I graduated college. So very different priorities. Right, right. <laughs> for okay. sure. Um, I, it's, for me, it's not the first time in Amsterdam. I, I live in Poland. Okay. And I've been here quite a few times. But any time I come to this city, I see something new that I have not seen before. Okay. Have you done any sightseeing already? I haven't yet. I've been focused really hard on my talk the past right. few days. But I have all day Saturday to explore. So your plans are to... When are you returning back to the States? Not till Sunday morning. So I got oh, a whole okay. day. So we have similar plans. Nice. Thank you very much for being on the Rails Changelog, Joe. Yeah, thanks for having me. This has been a blast. And if you want to learn more about Turbo Native or you know, reach out and need some help, uh, mazalati.com, my website, blog, and newsletter is, is the best place for all that. Right. Thanks. Thanks.